here. I'm going to start reading verse 19. And I'm going to write down through verse 34. So Genesis 25, 19. It says, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Isaac begot, or I'm sorry, yeah, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister to Laban the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. Children struggled together within her. She said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. First came out red, all over like a hairy garment. It must have been really cute, huh? And they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out. His hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. The boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And he said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. <coughs> Excuse me. Title of the message tonight, Jacob, the Conquest of Self. Conquest of Self. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to be assembled together. Lord, I pray as we look into the Word of God tonight and consider particularly Jacob, this Old Testament character, I pray as you help us to glean some truths and see this uh, in this example of one who has gone before us some instruction to help us in our walk, on our pilgrimage here on earth. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the conquest of self, someone has said, is probably the most important conquest of all. Our, it's often been said, our greatest problem is ourselves. It's ourselves. Our greatest problem is ourselves. We're, you know, people will say, I'm my, I'm my own worst enemy. That is true. That is true. You know, when I was in, when I was, uh, uh, teenager going to school, we had this neighbor. He was a well, he wasn't really a neighbor. He didn't live too far from us, but uh, rode the school bus with us, and um, <clears throat> we knew his family. And they were kind of rabble risers. But this one kid had this popular saying. He'd say it all the time. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, the devil don't make you do anything. The devil may tempt you, but the devil doesn't make you do anything. And God doesn't make you do anything. You might wish he had, but 
He doesn't make you do anything. We have a free will, and we make our own choices. We make our own choices. Um, we choose to do right or to do wrong. And, we, and so we ha- when we have this, you know, with, there's this sin nature that dwells within us and causes us all kinds of problems. For example, in James chapter 4, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust, and have not, ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. So where do these comes from? Come, these wars or these fightings come from? They come from your own selves, even of your own lust, that war in your members. In your members, in Galatians chapter five, Paul, when writing to the Galatians, in Galatians five verses nineteen through twenty-one, again says, "Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, hatred." Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such, such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> you know, these are the works of the flesh. Uh, Lord Jesus himself spoke about these things in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verses 19 and 20. Matthew 15, 19 and 20. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So, but he said these things proceed out of the heart of man. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, behind every sin there's a process of wicked thinking. It comes from within. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17.9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So our greatest problem lies within us, with our sin nature. Somebody has said, quote, The souls of emperors and cobblers are cast in the same mold. The same reason that makes us wrangle with a neighbor causes a war betwixt princes, unquote. And that is so true. You know, war is just a quarrel on a national or international scale. That's all it is. It just involves a lot of other people that have to get involved in it. And so we have this problem with ourselves, and that's the flesh. You know, and Jacob was naturally, and every one of us is naturally selfish. Chapter 25 here, verses 27 through 34, talks about that selfishness. He, he said, it says that Esau said to Jacob, or uh, verse 29, Jacob sawed potties, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray, with that same red potties, for I am faint. Therefore was name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. He would not give his brother what he needed. What was a need? He was faint uh, to satisfy his hunger without getting something out of him. He wanted something in exchange. You know, 
Jacob was called Jacob. It means supplanter or deceiver or conniver. So Jacob is described in the Bible, and you read about him, and this is the way he was. If if he if you were if 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 you wanted something from him, guess what? He was going to get something out of you one way or the other. Jacob looked out for Jacob. He was selfish. And all of us are naturally selfish. That's human nature. You don't have to teach children to be possessive about the things that are theirs. You know, little children will begin to struggle and fight over toys. If one has it, you know, it's funny. It's kind of hilarious as grandparents to watch grandkids. It's not hilarious. And we don't think it's funny. We do think it's a little bit amusing. But but uh, but but we but we, we we don't let it go on without some correction. But but it is amusing as grandparents. But uh, but anyway, to watch grandchildren who who will you know one has a toy but the other one wants it, and as soon as the other one puts it down, the other one will go pick it up. But if neither one wants it, neither one cares. What is that? That's selfishness. That's just following the flesh. That's giving into the flesh. You don't have to teach them to be that way. And so we see here Jacob was always bargaining or looking for self-gain. Uh, again, you don't have to teach your children to be, to be, to be selfish. <clears throat> and, and we don't want to. You know, and here was, here was some parents. You know, some, some, a lot of parents today, I think, teach their children to be selfish. They bargain with them. Well, if you are good, you know, how many times in the store have I heard, if you're really good on the way home, I'll get you some ice cream. That's bargaining. That's, that's manipulating to get a certain uh, behavior that you reward them. No, they ought to behave because it's right, not because there's a piece of candy at the end. It's teaching them that they'll get something if they do us act a certain way. It's the same idea, bargaining. You know, of course, when they get older, they use different means. You know, well, we'll let you go here if we ought to deny our young people at church functions or that's you know, not a good thing uh, as punishment. But so, so we have to be careful. But we see here the flesh is naturally selfish. It's crafty and deceitful. Look at chapter 27. Chapter 27, verse 18 to 23. <clears throat> it says, And it came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. And who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that my soul may bless thy soul may bless me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Isaac said unto the son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel my feel thee my son, whether thou be my very son or Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy. As his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Uh, so here, 
Jacob is deceitful and crafty. He lies and deceives his father to get the coveted blessing which God had already promised him. Look at chapter 25, verse 28. <clears throat> uh, I'm sorry, I don't think it's the right verse. No, it's not. Uh, verse, ver, uh, chapter 25, verse 23. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one shall be stronger than the other, the elder shall serve the younger. So the Lord had already promised that Jacob would have the upper hand or he would be the prominent one. The sad thing is, this craft and deceitfulness was encouraged by his parents. Encouraged by his parents. Um... You know, we have a, as parents, we have a responsibility to train and discipline and, and to drive out this selfish and deceitful waste. But this was encouraged. Look at, verse, look at chapter 25, verse 28. It says, And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So they had favorites. Because, again, because of, of characteristics they liked or things they would get from them that they liked. He, of course, Isaac loved Esau, and Jacob, or Rebecca loved Jacob. Uh, we might, and, and, and what takes place here is, we, we would probably call today permissive parenting. They, they, they pampered to the ones they liked. Uh, some, some, sometimes, you know, and this is a struggle we have as parents is comparing children with our children. We ought not do that. You know, Jacob here was in, is encouraged in his wickedness by his mother. Look at chapter 27, verse 5. Chapter 27, verse 5. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison to bring it. And, of course, Isaac, or uh, Esau, by the way, is encouraged by his father. Uh, 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 Jacob is encouraged by his mother. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence. Two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, which such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. His mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. So here he's encouraged by his mother. He was encouraged in his wickedness, which is a terrible thing. You know, Proverbs 29.15 says that a child left himself shall bring his mother shame. But understand something. Jacob is not a child here. You know how old he is? 
he's probably 70-some years old. From what I've compared, or as comparing verses of Scripture, uh, as to when he was born, when the twins, Jacob was 60 years old when they were born, and from what I've read and things, at this point, Isaac's 137. He's a, he's a very well-grown man. Now, of course, they lived longer back then than we do today. I think Isaac was close to 200 years old when he or Jacob was close to 200 years or 150 or something like that when he died. But he's not a young man here. He's not, he's not 15. He's old enough to understand what's right and what's not. He should have corrected his mother. Even though she encouraged him in it. But he did not. He did not. You know, all children, I don't care how angelic you may think your child is, all children are born selfish, deceitful, and only discipline or experience in the school of hard knocks is going to drive it out of them. And so we see the flesh very prominent here. How do we, the question is, how do we overcome self? How do we conquer it? How do we conquer it? Well, first of all, we have to realize the old, that old self is evil and tends to that which is wrong. It's inclined to that which is evil. It's what needs replaced or supplanting. And, and, and this, is, this is really where parents, we as parents, can have be the most help to our children. Look at Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. <clears throat> Proverbs 23 verse 13 withhold not correction from the child for if thou beatest him with the rod he shall not die thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell uh, Proverbs also says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Uh, you know, there's some very strong verses in, in Proverbs that would make child psychologists shudder today. And I and I I'm not sure where it is in Proverbs, but it says. The blueness of the wound cleanseth away evil. Now, child psychologists will tell you that you should never put marks on your children. Well, and you're not, not to intentionally. But if you're going to whip them properly, it may mean sometimes marks. It's not hard to mark a child. But but the Bible does teach that we need to correct our children. We need to correct them. Not, not um, punish them, but correct them. 
You know, Jacob's parents could have saved Jacob from a lot of suffering and heartache if they had disciplined him properly. But they did not. So we need to realize, you know, whether you know whether we our parents disciplined or not, we need to realize that old self is evil and tends to wrong. It's naturally inclined to do evil, and that's what we see here. If you withhold correction of the child, uh, withhold not, thou shalt beat his with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. An undisciplined child is headed for hell. That's really what it's saying. More inclined to that. Uh, we have to crucify the old and yield to the new. And this is, of course, a scriptural principle we see in many places in the Bible. Uh, let's look at a couple of references. Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, in verse 6, Romans 6, 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Of course, it's talking about baptism being buried in the likeness of his death, being raised in new life. Knowing that Christ, verse 9, being raised and dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died in the sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in, it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So, so we're to crucify or to reckon the old man dead and yield to the Spirit of God or the, to the new. Uh, Romans 8.13 Romans 8.13 says, For if ye live out of the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, that is to, to, to reckon dead or declare dead, uh, mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Uh, Colossians 3.5 Colossians 3.5 <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 Again, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, and order and affection, uh, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Which, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, and lie not one to another, seeing that ye put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the him that created him. So again, we have to do to mortify or reckon dead, to declare dead, and strive to put on the new man, yielding to the Spirit of God. Yielding to the Spirit of God. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So what he's really saying is, Paul don't control me anymore. I'm not living by Paul's desires or ambitions. What was Paul's desire and ambition? A Pharisee of Pharisees. See, he wanted a seat on that Sanhedrin. That same body 
who brought in Paul and John in Acts chapter 4 and questioned them, that had them indicted for preaching the gospel, for healing a, healing a lame man. He wanted a seat on that ruling. He wanted to be somebody. He wanted to be somebody. But as we're going to see, if you exalt yourself, you're going to be in bondage. And he found out that he was bound by the law. He was enslaved by it. Not only the law, but he was enslaved to man because of it. So we have to put off the old man. We have to crucify him. That is a daily thing. We have to reckon him dead. We have to strive to put on the new man. It's really yielding to the spirit. Ephesians 4 talks about putting off the old and putting on the new and renewing the spirit of your mind. It's an everyday thing. Because every day this old flesh wants to do its own thing. Just like Jacob did. We have to put on the whole armor of God. And realizing it is sufficient to keep us in the midst of the conflict. Move forward. Moving forward with a shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. In obedience to the word of God. Trusting in the Lord to give us victory. It's a new life. We also have to realize what we have by divine right cannot be gained by bargaining or human scheming. And this is Jacob's problem. This is Jacob's problem. You see, it's really resting in the Lord. It's really resting in the Lord. Go to chapter 28 of Genesis. Chapter 28. <clears throat> Jacob 28. And, and we learn what is ours by divine right through the revelation of God or through the word of God. That's where we learn it. And by the way, we'll only learn that as we yield to the Lord. If somebody has said that, that uh, you know, all the Bible... You know, the Bible can be read and a basic understanding by anybody, but to really understand its full meaning, you have to have the Spirit of God to make it applicable to you, to make it understood. And, and only by that can you really understand what is yours by rights of being a child of God. And this is a problem Jacob had in, in, in uh, chapter 28, verse 10. It says, and Jacob went out from Beersheba. You know, he's, you know, Isaac and Rebekah have sent him away to get a wife for fear of Esau. You know, Esau wants to kill him. So he went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place, put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, behold, a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee, notice, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in thee, and in thy seed, 
shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And this is the same promise that God gave to Abraham and he gave to Isaac and now he's given it to Jacob. And behold, I am with thee, verse 15, will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it and called the name of that place Bethel. The name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will not give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So we hear he, he, he gets a revelation of God. And <clears throat> it's described here what is given him by divine right. But Jacob still thinks that he has to work to get through. Yet the blessings of God are by grace through faith. And we have to rest in the Lord. Before we have the power of God and can really understand this, we have, there has to be a surrender of our will. There has to be a surrender of self or self brought to an end. Go to chapter 32. Chapter 32. And God has to go to some extreme measures to get Jacob to that point. In chapter 32, Jacob's in a crisis. Okay. God promised him that I'm, I, I'm to you, I'm going to give the promise of Abraham and Isaac. In other words, you're, you're going to get all this land to thee and thy descendants, not to Esau. That was really the promise that God gave Rebekah. The elder shall serve the younger. So the promises of God given to Abraham are going to fall on Jacob, not Esau, the firstborn. And yet, Rebekah tries to help scheme so Jacob can get that promise. And now Jacob, he's still working and scheming uh, to see that promise fulfilled. Look at chapter 32. He's at a crisis. He's coming back. He remembers that promise. You know, of course, he's been with Laban all these years, and he got his two wives that he worked 14 years to get. And, you know, he becomes wealthy there. And so he believes God would have him come back. So he's on his way back to the land God promised him. But there's one thing he has to face yet. That's Esau. And when he left Esau, they were not in good terms. And rightfully so. So he sends to Esau. See, Jacob hasn't quite given up on self yet. Notice verse 4. And he commanded them, saying, he sends messengers to Esau. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, 
I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and manservants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I might find grace in thy sight. And the messenger returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee with four hundred men. Uh-oh. Four hundred men with him. That doesn't sound like he's coming just to have a party. This doesn't sound that way. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he defied the people that was with him, and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which thou sayest unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I would deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies, and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For of my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. As thou, and thou sayest, I will surely do thee good, make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night, and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother, two hundred she-goats, twenty he-goats, two hundred ewes, uh, and twenty rams, twenty, thirty milk camels with their colts, forty kine and ten bulls, twenty she-asses and ten fools. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, what are, what, Whose art thou? And whither goest thou? And whose are these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau, and behold, also he is behind us. And so he commanded the second and the third, and all that follow the droves, saying, On this manner shall you speak unto Esau when you find him. And say ye moreover, Behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me. And afterward I will see his face, peradventure he will accept of me. So went the present over before him, and him himself lodged that night in the company. So Jacob... You know, he's been given this promise, and yet when he hears Esau is coming, he goes back to scheming to try and appease. You know, think of it. You know, he's got all these flocks and herds, so what he does is he, and you know, it says drove, there must have been three or four of these droves or groups that he sent ahead of him. And each drove or each group had so many camels, so many uh, uh, goats and so many asses and, and all that in each group and each group was to be a present for Esau to appease him. Why is he doing that? Because he's still thinking I've got to appease Esau. When God had already taken care of the problem. God had already assured him that everything was okay because he said, I'm going to give you all this land. He had made a promise to him. But see, Jacob is still in fear. See, someone that is not yielded to God is always in bondage to man. 
always in bondage. If you're if 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 you're not yielded to God, someone controls you. You're living in fear. This is what Jacob was. He's still living in fear of man because he's trusting in himself to appease his brother. He's not surrendered, completely surrendered his own will to the Lord. But Jacob had to be brought to the end of self. He had to be made weak. Notice verses 24 through 28 it says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. See, God brought Jacob finally to the end of himself by handicapping him and making him, or in, we would say it this way, incapacitating him so that he couldn't fight. He had no more fight. Now he's a cripple. And finally when he becomes a cripple, he realizes, you know what? God promises to me. I don't have to fear my brother. I don't have to fear my brother. See, Jacob is trying to scheme his way, and through his scheming, he's enslaved to his brother still. And he has to be made lame to bring an end to himself. What was his by divine right he didn't fully realize until he was made weak. You know how often we thinking hey I've got strength. I can do this. Not realizing that it's only God. It's not us. It's not us. You know, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power. In other words, it's not of yourself. The same guys that before the little, the, the maid denied the Lord, now is standing before the Sanhedrin. What happened? Well, see, before he was trusting in himself, he had, that same guy said, I will never deny thee. He was exalting himself. That was pride. And when a maid says, hey, you're one of them, he said, no, I'm not. And now he's standing before the Sanhedrin, the elders of the people, and they're saying, you know, why'd you do this? And he boldly, the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, boldly uh, proclaims uh, through the name of Jesus Christ. See, it brought an end to self. Now he is no longer enslaved. He has liberty. See, true liberty comes 
when we completely yield ourselves to God. Because if we are yielded to God, we no longer fear man. You know, the Bible says, what is man? What is man? Paul spoke of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. <clears throat> he says, Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. But this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. See, God had to make Jacob weak that he could show his strength. Show his strength, God's strength, through Jacob to Esau. See, God had already taken care of Esau. It just took a little persuading to Jacob to realize it. You know, God's already taken care of the world. But sometimes it takes a little persuading for us to realize it. We 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 become we we are we are many times fearful or afraid that somebody might take offense. We ought not. They might. But God has already taken care of that. We just need to boldly proclaim the word, surrender, be surrendered to the Lord, let the Lord take care of our circumstances. You know, people will people will say, I, I've heard this statement. I was sharing this with the class, the Bible Institute class, I think it was today. Um, I can't remember what we were even discussing about. You know, it's kind of amusing to me that the children of Israel said, and we were talking about the omniscience and the, om, and the power and the, the omnipresence and the omnipotence of God, that God has all power. He, he knows the end from the beginning. And, and God could have brought the children of Israel in the land of Egypt in 11 days, but he didn't. He allowed them some choices in the matter. And they said that our children will be prey for the land, people of the land. And those same children, God took in and they didn't get to go. Why? Because they were worried about themselves and not resting in the promises that God had already given to them. See, their focus was on self, not on the Lord. They weren't surrendered to the Lord. They hadn't crucified the old nature. They thought they had to do it when God said, I have given you this land. Now go in and possess it. See, you and I have given great and exceeding precious promises 
He's promised to protect us. He's promised to go with us. He's promised to give us boldness. To speak the truth. But we need to rest on his promises. You know, unlike the children of Israel, you know, we, when, when, when we allow others to keep us from doing what's right in the sight of God, just like the children of Israel used their children to say that they would become prey, what they had really done was made idols out of their children. And they had become enslaved to their children instead of having liberty or power in the promises of God. So if we would conquer ourselves, we would find that liberty, that strength to overcome the flesh, to overcome the world, and to have victory and peace in our walk with the Lord. Might God help us to learn to conquer ourselves and put our trust completely in the Lord and the promises that he has given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the promises that you give us therein. And Lord, I pray you help us to understand these truths. Help us to apply them to everyday life. Just to rest in your promises. Knowing that they are true and certain and sure. That we might have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we might see you work in and through us as your witnesses in this lost and dying world. And we'll thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name.